Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 62. I hope we're all having a fantastic day, whatever day that you're listening to this on. I'm really enjoying the the run up to, to Christmas, really. Christmas is without doubt my favorite time of year. I absolutely love it. And um, both of it's you know, back home in Ireland, if it's in Melbourne, it's in Australia, wherever that is, I absolutely love it. It's just a, such a, I always just feel really great at Christmas, you know, such a nice time. Everyone's always, you know, going that extra level in terms of being friendly and, and spend time with your friends, your family, your loved ones. It's just always a really good, good vibe and a good energy, to be honest. And I absolutely love it. And hopefully all of you guys are enjoying it and um, wherever you are listening to this and enjoying the kind of the run up now to Christmas. And we should be, you know, enjoying delicious foods and delicious drinks and mince pies and Christmas cake and all the delicious stuff that happens around this time. It's not a time. What I will say to my clients is that we are not absolutely not looking for perfection here at all. It's just about carrying over some decent runway of some decent training and just trying to make it through this period without completely overdoing it, but really, really enjoying ourselves as well. This is the time for us to do so. And to be honest, just using those extra calories as extra fuel to drive training performance even more. What I have said as well is that we kind of want to visualize where we're going to be come January 1st. And some of you guys might have actually seen the launching of our second ever Conditioned in 12 Challenge off the back of the previous one being such a success. So many amazing transformations and amazing stories coming out of that. We decided to run another one. I think this is going to be a yearly thing. I know we've just run one in September and we're running one in January, but I think I'm just going to run one time per year going forward. And, and we've just launched that now. So if you are, you know, thinking about the new year and you have the goal in mind to transform your physique, you know, and really run an amazing body transformation challenge, what better time to do it than, than Jan first to, to do a body transformation challenge overall? Everything from, you know, training plans, personalized nutrition plans, weekly check-ins, you know, access to the private member site, all that kind of stuff is going to come with that as well. And on top of that, it's going to be at an early bird special. First time ever we've I've ever done it, and it's going to be open until Christmas Day itself. So the twelve days of Christmas for twelve days, and that is as little as a hundred. And I might get this incorrect. I think it's one three three euro per month, which is our most affordable coaching program of all time. Thirty three euro per week. We pretty much would spend that on a, on a cheat meal, to be honest. Um, and that's what it's going to cost to, to join the program for the twelve weeks. So, like I said, the prices will go up after this, of course. And um, so, if it's something that you're interested in and you wanted to try and just visualize where you're going to be in January first and want a bit of a plan of action, ready to rock into the new year, achieve your best ever physique, condition in twelve is the answer for that. I'm going to drop a link in the the bio if you would like to join. And if you have any questions, please drop me a message on Instagram at Josh Cowan Conditioning. So today is all going to be about progress and enhancing our gym progress um, and specifically six kind of um, points that I'd like to run through. So one is going to be activation work. So boring, to be honest. I wrote it in, I deleted it, I wrote it in, deleted it, but it's so valuable to do. I think that people just rush into sets and rush into their session, don't do any of that activation work at the very beginning, and then one, they either don't stimulate the tissue that they want to work, or two, they pick up an injury. Okay, so actually running through, you know, isolation work, particularly before you get into your big compound movements of the day, something that I really like and enjoy doing, if that means that's the warm-up, and you get into your big bang for your book patterns, or actually in the beginning of the session, I'll almost do both. I'll run through a really specific warm, which all the guys and girls on the team have, um, of my upper body and my lower body warm routine. So I'll mobilize my joints as much as I possibly can, and then we get into some activation of tissues. Let's say, for instance, we're going and training push, okay? 
and we want to get some pec activation. I have really, really poor pec development, and mainly because I just don't think I was ever pressing correctly for the first probably decade of my, my lifting career. So now, with the fact I don't have this unbelievable connection with my pecs as compared to, let's say, my biceps or my delts. So I'll go in and actually do some isolation work. If that's like a cable pec deck, if they're a cable uh, pec fly, if that's a pec deck, if that's a single arm, you know, crossover, just coming across my body and bringing my elbow across my body, just to activate that pec and get it really short, particularly. Try and think of like a leg extension or a pec deck or a lat pullover or a hamstring curl. These are all exercises that get the muscle group short, which means that we're going to drive blood flow in that contracted state. You're going to kind of get that neural connection mentally with that kind of almost like a mind to muscle connection and drive some blood flow to that, to that, uh, that muscle group that you want to work. Then we're actually in a really good position then to move into the pressing pattern and where we can actually feel and connect with that muscle group itself because it's already activated. The second thing then is like, like antagonistic muscle groups. Like if you're going into a pressing pattern that revolves around you being able to, I'm just going to use push as a good example here because it's on my mind. Your ability to go into a pressing pattern uh, revolves around your ability to get through scapular retraction. So if you're not, uh, if you haven't warmed up that pattern by doing something like, oh, I love to do like a, a dumbbell bent over row or a chest supported row and just move through scapular retraction and protraction as much as I possibly can, Sometimes I go into my pressing, I, I might, might pull a, my trap muscle or something like this if I don't do that in my warm up from press, which makes no sense because it should be my, my anterior, my front of my body. But because I haven't warmed up that muscle group and the, the pattern of just moving protraction, retraction, scapula, sometimes I put, pull a muscle group in there itself. So try and think of that um, before you go into any big patterns now across the next week. Shortened position work, isometric isolation at the beginning, and also just running through the patterns and trying to open up, you know, open open joint work really to try and move a little bit more or create a little more movement um, into space really itself. Okay, so let's get that one out of the way. It's a boring one, but it's an important one itself. Number two, one of my favorite things, log booking. Log book your sessions, guys. Measuring progress week to week is the best way to fast track progression. Why? Because if you don't, how can you tell? It's like, you know, I'm sure that a lot of you guys might, might work in like a, a corporate job or something where you're, you know, putting a campaign through, let's say. I'm just going to use this. G works in, in marketing, so I'm just going to use her example. She would put a campaign through and someone, so a company will pay their company to put a campaign through and they'll analyze the progress and give them feedback. If they didn't do that, it's like, okay, we'll just put this put this campaign through and then like you're just you're unsure if it works or not. And saying, cool, let's just do that again and again and again. And you don't never know if it's giving you positive feedback. Whereas it was telling you this campaign had this many hits and you know this much success. This campaign didn't do anywhere near as well. Cool, let's not do that one then. So you're analyzing pro progress. Logbook is no different, that you're going in and writing down consistently in logbook what you did that week comparably to the previous week. And then you can see that progression, particularly objectively through the logbook itself. This also allows you to, you know, um, set some big goals, you know, where you can actually object. I want to hit, you know, 120 RDL for eight reps by, you know, end of June, that kind of thing. But without like some specific numbers that you're previously doing already, it's very hard to give yourself a, a big goal that you'd like to hit as well. So the, the other thing then as well, that's really, really nice to have is like a feedback for the next week and actually having a little note section sometimes i'll write you might see in my youtube which i'm, I'm loving doing at the moment as well 
is going to be like, you know, I put in brackets, like perfect. You know, when I actually have a perfect set, I feel something like, let's say a hamstring curl. Sometimes I get into that. My mind just takes over and I'm just pushing too hard and eccentrics aren't as good as they can be. And it's a bit aggressive in the set. My bum's lifting up and down. And the next week that I, I, I put in brackets, then I say like clean up. The week after I come back, then I, I I try and you know execute perfectly and maybe I get eight reps, maybe one less than last week, but I put in brackets, perfect set. So it gives me feedback to say how my set was last week. Do I need to change anything? You know, am I in a pressing pattern? Do I need to try and keep my chest up a little bit higher or my rib cage a bit higher or my scapula more attracted or less range of motion? You can actually write these kind of things in. So you give yourself feedback then for the next week. But the most, if you take one thing from this, um, from this podcast, it's going to be to logbook, write down what you're doing each week, X amount of weight, X amount of repetitions, and a little bit of a note on the side if necessary to, to feed back into next week. And then you have an objective goal. Cool. I got my RDL for 120 for seven last week. I'm going to take eight today. And in the set, it just gives you that little bit of drive because you know where you what you did last week. You're probably going to be able to get that again. So you know that it's just one more repetition from last week to get that that PB, which is inevitably going to drive your physique on, onwards. Okay, and that's going to be a huge, huge, huge one as well. Number three, a training partner. Have you ever actually consistently trained with a training partner for a prolonged period of time? Um, I I, I have been lucky in the past, been trained with Adam and, and a couple of the guys over at FlyFit, Brady and a couple of the guys from from the gym now at the moment. We all spot each other. It's great. I really really enjoy that. I haven't had like a maybe a a training partner where I'm consistently going with for months and months, if not years on end. Um, but whenever I do train with someone, it's always, I come out of the sessions feeling absolutely amazing. Like I've really, really pushed um, to my absolute limit. Subjectively, I feel that I just put more into sets. You know, having someone there watching over, and especially if you find someone that's pretty similar in terms of strength, is a bit like friendly competition, you know? How many, how many reps did you get? 70 or 120 for a set? Cool, I'm going to get eight now. And just try and go and beat them. And you're both trying to beat each other, pushing yourself to the to the limit in the sets and things like this is just absolutely it's absolutely one of one of my favorite ways to really enhance and, and fast track progress. So if you haven't, and even what's better than that is actually find someone that's much stronger than you that really really push you on and give you some motivation in in sessions itself and i believe that you're going to train much closer to failure if not past failure as well if you do have someone training with you um and like i said the intensity and the intent that you're just putting into sets is just mammoth comparably to if you're training alone in my opinion this also then allows for one really important variable it allows you to train not only up to failure, but past failure as well. On an inclined barbell press, I definitely do not advise anyone to train to failure or past failure. If I have a, by themselves, if I have a spotter, yes, I'll always train to failure. And yes, I'll always take a plus one assisted rep as well. This is a really nice tool for, for training past that threshold of, of, of kind of, you know, of failure. And there's a great phrase, I'm sure you've heard me say this a million one times, the closer to failure you go, the more progress God, I'm completely messed that up, guys. I've tried a few phrases now the last couple of podcasts and completely botched them. Let me try again. The closer to failure you go, the more muscle you're likely to grow. There we go. Finally got it out. 
when it, what I mean by that is that leaving more reps in the tank is going to result in less stimulating reps. So we want to train as close to failure as possible. And in some exercises, I would advise training past failure, and um, particularly in areas that we want to try and bring up the most, and also that areas are like low fatigue. Like let's say, for instance, like an RDL set is mo- probably not the best one to try and assist. It'd be very difficult to assist anyone first and foremost, but very very fatiguing if you take assisted reps on on, on lifts that are that big as well. Okay. So training partner is definitely one that I would advise having a think about and implementing into your own routine as well. Number one, two, three, four. They all just have one beside them. So, so this, is, this has been great uh, logistically for me. Filming sets. Okay, number this is going to be number four, I believe. So yes, filming sets is going to be number four. Something I know a lot of you guys and girls listen to this like, oh God, I don't know if I can do this. And me too. I remember the first ever training video I ever put up was in FlyFit. And I did, for some reason, by the way, I have no idea why I did this, was an overhead squat. Okay, I think it was just to show Instagram that Josh can do an overhead squat. And I did this and I had my phone propped up. I say to all the guys and girls that I mentor now at the moment who are, are you know, a bit worried about um, you know, putting up videos. And I had my phone in the corner of the room, hidden behind a rack. You could barely even see me. You know, half my my body was covered. If you flick back to one of my first ever posts, you'll see it. And uh, it'll be a long flick back now at this stage. But but on on the uh, on the video, half of my body was covered. You know, I could barely see anything. You know, it wasn't amazing. So the more I got into it, and the more I did it, the better that I, I got on the I, I got at it, and the more comfortable I feel. Um, so analyzing your your performances is, is so important. Just like a video, or actually, uh, an American football coach analyzes his quarterback, watching running routes and just watching him throw to you know the um, people on the pitch or the uh, wide receivers. Excuse me. Um, just like a coach would watch that over and over and tape and over and over again. I I like to do that with my own clients as well. Watching their execution, watching their clips. You know, John just sent me a couple of of clips earlier today of him pressing, and and we're working through that now at the moment, trying to give him some takeaways so that he minimizes any shoulder issues at the moment that he's been having, and trying to implement changes to his arm work and things like this. We're analyzing it, but if he never sent that to me, there's no way I can ever give him any feedback. He wouldn't have probably wouldn't have even known that there is feedback to give because you know I'm sure that if if you had asked a young Josh a decade ago, I used to say my execution is ten out of ten. But I look back at it probably now and it's absolutely shocking. I'm sure it's all over the place. So you don't know what you don't know, and until you actually analyze this and look at it, you'll never know. Even even more so. Uh, excuse me even more than that analyzing your warm-up sets now on something like a hinge pattern or an rdl or an exercise that you found difficult in the past analyze the warm-up sets analyze the one right before you go into your top sets of your rdl let's say and have a look at see you know can you improve on that or what can you take home or what, what can you take from that and um, to be able to put into the top set going forward then as well and 99 out of 100 times i'm going to look at that previous set and say oh you know my hips didn't move back enough barbell was, was going too fast now i didn't have the slack out of the bar when i'm pulling off the floor of the conventional deadlift it always gives you information to bring into that top set so so rather than like just going into the top set itself and then videoing after and say oh i could have changed this 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 and this you can actually do that the set prior so you can bring it into the most important set of the day the last two then are going to be one is going to be rest times okay and this can be more or, or less there's no answer to this to be honest and more is going to probably lead to 
better performance, okay? Because having a little bit more rest time is inevitably going to allow you to recover more, which is going to lead to better performance in the gym. We know that from literature. And ideally, like closer towards that kind of three minutes for like compounds and maybe even a little bit harder, the more intensity and the more, think of it, the more load on the bar machine or dumbbell, the more the more rest time you're going to need. The harder you train and closer to failure you train, the more rest time you're going to need. However, there are a lot of people on this planet that that train much better, more effectively, more aggressive, and put way more intent into their sets with less rest times. They just love that form of training. I was watching a, a video clip the other day and top three Olympian in the world, Samson Dauda, loves supersets and going, going, going and high pace and lots of sets and go, go, go the whole time because he feels that if the minute that he stops and rests for too long, he loses his, his whole session. So he's in and out of the gym very, very quick. This is the top best, the top three bodybuilders. I think he came third anyway. Top three bodybuilders of all time, or excuse me, in the Olympia now at the moment is doing this, you know? So there's no right or wrong answer, but you need to find individually what is better for you. I can't train with that high, high, high volume, you know, fast pace, you know, workouts. I actually enjoy it, but my performance just goes in the bin. I can't maintain good quality sessions at all. So I know that more rest time is better for me. So you guys need to find what's better for you. So the last one then is going to be training volume and such an important one and to try find this sweet spot for you guys of where your training volume should land and for me this this will look like an inverted u curve that you need to test so let's say for instance you're going into a a push day try 15 working sets in a push day and then try that for two three weeks in a row is everything progressing fantastic maybe try then 18 working sets the next week you know is everything still progressing fantastic try that for two three weeks Maybe try 20 working sets. Is everything progressing? Fantastic. Two, three weeks. Then try maybe 22 working sets. And then we start to feel more fatigue, beaten up, local fatigue, pecs are feeling really sore, delts feel beaten up, have a little bit of an injury niggle in my in my, in my shoulder, get any humeral joint. Then we're like, okay, that, that's going to be too much for us because you've tried it. So you've got to the top of that inverted U curve. And now you're starting to see down regulation in terms of performance and readiness to train. Then you know that that's one step too far. Then I would just try and pull that back to the tried and tested 20 working sets here at the moment and run that into the floor. Because the more volume, the more volume you do, the more opportunities for growth that you have. That doesn't mean, okay, let's do 50 working sets because of that inverted U approach that I just said. So you need to try and find what works for you and what volume you can tolerate to maximize performance increase or not increase but maintain recovery and desire to train readiness to train that you keep progressing your lifts and keep adding muscle to your frame okay so that's going to be all six activation work log booking training partners uh, familiar sets filming sets more or less rest times and more or less training volume dependent on your sweet spot so guys that's going to be it i believe this is probably going to be the last podcast i send out before christmas you never know i might get another one in but if i don't talk to you guys before have an amazing um week amazing like eight or nine days now in front of us amazing christmas amazing new years i'm looking forward to giving you more value in the new year itself